Lord, it's come to that. (laughs) Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for the fellowship. Thanks for your word. Uh, Lord, we can't thank you enough. Uh, As we grow together in you, we we know sometimes uh, things uh, we just need to be reminded of. um, And uh, uh, at the same time, Lord, we need a greater depth of understanding how much you care, not only for us, (coughs) excuse me, but for a world in need. And so give us... uh, we pray by your spirit insight into your heart and greater understanding and illumination of your word. And uh, Lord, and because of it, we pray that our lives would be those that reflect you and draw people to see you and that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Matthew uh, 9. I got to look here. Yes. Uh, so we kind of were wrapping up with 35 through 38, and we kind of touched on it, but we're going to hit it a little bit harder just for a moment, and then we'll move on. Um, uh, so uh, Matthew 9, 35, and, the, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So before we move on, uh, if I were to ask you, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Uh, what would be your response? Gospel of the kingdom. If um, say that over again. Okay. So so here we have Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you what is the gospel of the kingdom, what would be your answer? Okay, but what is the gospel? <laughs> um, I mean, I agree. Salvation and no other. Okay. Um, and and that um, he who comes to me, I will not cast away. Okay. And um, you will, you're walking in darkness, and you better stop it. <laughs> okay, and you better stop it. <laughs> All right. Jesus died. Well, would but he be before, would he be proclaiming that? And he rose again. Would he be proclaiming that? That he came to fulfill God's law. That he came to okay. give and, life. Yeah, and he's the exact representation of God. Okay. He shows everybody, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is here. Okay. I was going to say, because like gospel means good news. Correct. So if you change that and you make the sentence, what is the good news of the kingdom? Well, it's like, hey, good news. The kingdom of heaven is a, a reality. And so it's kind of like, I would say it's, it's hope. Okay. For the future. <clears throat> so often, the reason I bring this up is because often, are you guys okay if I move on? I don't. Want, I didn't want to make sure you didn't get an opportunity. Um, often, when you know a lot, especially in evangelical circles, the gospel is presented as you're a sinner, Christ died so that you can go to heaven, right? And that wouldn't necessarily be what Jesus was preaching. So we know that, that he came and said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He supported John the Baptist's message, which they said the same thing, repent. 
Uh, he said, repent. And he said, but the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, and so we have this idea that something is present and there's a way to be part of that kingdom. So what really the gospel is, is that God has made a way through Jesus Christ for you to be reconciled to God, restored to, to, uh, uh, to the kingdom of God. And so again, for the Jewish mind, great, you're bringing down the kingdom, that's what we want. But we know that he came as a light to the Gentiles also. Well, hence why he put, one of the reasons he put his home base in Capernaum, a more Gentile occupation there where he did so that he was able to preach to everyone that God has made a way for everyone and his desire is that everyone would be reconciled to God. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize that the gospel of, of the kingdom is that God longs for you to be reconciled to him. Now, sin has separated us from him, but he's made a way for that to be taken care of through Jesus Christ. In fact, he's given us access because the veil was torn in two. And so, and I think that sometimes, um, not that people don't need to be forgiven of their sins, <clears throat> I'm not saying that, but I think if we lead with that, um, we're putting the, we're already putting them in a defensive mode, right? You know, well, God knows, says you're a sinner and you need to repent, which is true. God has declared that, but what is God's heart is that they would be reconciled to God. Now, what does that mean? Right? And then we, when we work from there, how has God made provision for that? So Jesus would be presenting that God loves you. God wants you in his kingdom. God, here I am to, to what, uh, Bonnie was saying, I am God. This is the heart of God. And this is good news, especially for those who, who were not Jew. And even the people who were suppressed by the Jewish leaders. You, you know, you mean I, I get to be part of it? I don't have to go through all of this? We'd have to suspect too, to some degree, that Jesus was trying to give hope that there was a way. Who was, who was it that said that he fulfilled the law? Was it you? Uh, anyway, but, but there was a way for them to be reconciled to God that was apart from their ability to keep the law because that's what they believe. So if it's good news, it has to release you from that. So just a, a note on there. So verse 36, uh, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, helpless like sheep <clears throat> without a shepherd. And again, it's one of those things that, that I... When I, and, and you know, I've read the Bible for years, and I think it was only maybe three or four years ago, about maybe three, four, yeah, that I, that I, that I read this scripture, and it just, I paused for a moment. Because, first of all, you and I um, needed the compassion of Christ because we were harassed and helpless. But it helps me understand people in my community that are without Christ and the people that I see on TV that are railing against uh, Christianity and living for themselves, they are truly harassed. And, they're, and I don't see them as helpless, and I need to, because they are. I mean, really, without Christ, you're completely helpless. Uh, and I think, uh, and so for me, it's, this has been a really monumental passage for me to go, I, Lord, I do not see people this way, so Holy Spirit, help me too. Because then, because it's built, it's birthed out of compassion. Then I can have compassion for them. And so then he turned to his disciples. 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so um, first, before we get there, if we're going into the harvest, what is that that we're looking at? So Colossians 3, verses 11 through 13. So I think it always begins with us in the church. Uh, if, if we need to, it's kind of one of those things that we got to get the church right, for lack of a better term, in order to really be effective in, in the, you know, we got to do some things here. And so we need to realize that in the church, in the kingdom of God that Christ was preaching, verse 11 of Colossians 3, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, sorry, Steve, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And so again, I think it's one of those things that's our heart attitude first and foremost towards one another. Because if we can't forgive one another in in the family of God, we're not we're going to dis disregard the community completely. I mean, the, we're going to we're be so focused on here. And unfortunately, um, if you've been in church for a good length of time, you've seen the, the horrific things that can happen in church when people are not tenderhearted towards one another, when they're not forgiving towards one another, when they're not bearing with one another in love. Um, and you know, it's often I've been in churches and I'm like, man, and, and even, you know, as I have pastors conversations and whatnot, and they're telling me about some stuff that's going on and, and these people say they're Christians, but their actions are so unchristian inside the church. It, it, again, I'm not the ultimate judge, thank goodness, but it grieves my heart because people sit and not our group, our group's pretty good. So I'm pretty happy with us, but, uh, our, our, I've seen people sit in church week after week after week and yet harbor bitterness and uh, and unforgiveness towards others in the church and but they think they're okay because they're showing up to church and it's like well you're not hearing something here so we got to figure out that spiritual earwax right so <laughs> well, you might need a corner but again this is the call of god to be a people of compassion full of mercy and grace and so if 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 i could exhort all of us that that would be something that we would pray on a regular basis and acknowledge lord i need to be a person that gives mercy and gives grace because i have been given so much why am I being stingy with it to other people? Because I still think I have rights and I don't. <laughs> God owns me. But again, so with the, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few now. Again, if you've been in church long enough, you've been around preachers who this is a go-to verse and they're trying to get people to serve in children's ministry or to go do something. And so, you know, well, don't you want to be a laborer that, you know, don't. And, and, but this is the reality that, that we have is that, that, and I think I struggle believing that the harvest is plentiful. In today's day and age, I, you know, because the harvest is plentiful. The, the wording there is it's ready to be harvested. 
And I look at our world today and I'm like, mm, no one's really ready. You know, they don't want it. They, and, and yet, God's, Jesus says something different. Some, right? you know, some countries are, they're just dropping like flies for the Lord. Right. Like yeah. the, the Muslims are getting dreams mm-hmm. and visions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's pretty exciting. No, I mean, in Africa, I mean, it's so our synod uh, last year, um, 32 seminaries in Africa that they that they planted. Now, those are look different than our seminaries out here because of r- the rurality, ooh, I said it, <laughs> of of and the disbursement of the people, but they figured out a way to put these small seminaries all over the country um because they're hungry for it. Uh but I think anyway, I- even though we look at America in our context, excuse me, United States. Uh <laughs> our context well, I, Stanford said I can't say that anymore. Oh. America, so <laughs> it came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's a no-no word <laughs> because yeah. So, but but the whole point is is that that we sometimes don't believe that people really want Jesus and that they're really looking for it, but they are. They really are. They just don't know that they are. Uh, and so we have to take Jesus at his word. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so it, it's, it's one of those things where we pray that those of us who avail ourselves on a weekly basis um, and, and, and are actively involved in our Christian life, and I'll leave it at that, would have a heart to be laborers of the harvest and, and to go and to share. Because what's the call is to make other people disciples to do the same thing right and um and so it's funny because i feel like really there's not a big there's not a a a, a huge girth of message that a pastor has on a sunday morning <laughs> you know uh it's like uh you're you're you need help jesus has provided it now go tell others i mean that's really that's really what i think the core of the message always is uh, to some degree there's the nuance there but that's you're always coming back to this we are saved because of the grace of God. We need his help because other people need him also. Um, so we come, we gather. So and this, the phrase goes, we gather so we can scatter. Right? So we come and we, and we do that. So, uh, so it's a big charge to us. I mean, we, know, we don't have to look very far to know people are lost and without Christ. And the task can be overwhelming. I mean, if I pause and really look at the state of the world, the state of our... I mean, I'm just watching the, the violent crimes that seem to be increasing in, in Pocatello. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we want... You know, you pray for, for growth because that means that there's... The natural byproduct of that is more, more opportunity for the church to grow. Um, you know, you're not just fishing in the same water all the time, so to speak. But at the same time, you you realize that with that comes otherworldly things that have that this area has been protected from and so now and so I, if you look at that though you can get overwhelmed with it you could just get overwhelmed i mean i think of 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 the relationship you have with mary that you, for years right and there seems to be just and if you can find yourself i don't want to speak for you but i i've had people that I'm just like, why do I even care about you? Or why do I even try? My prayers mean nothing. Um, you know, and they really don't want Jesus. But yet, God's saying that's not true. The harvest is plentiful. 
So we pray, like, you know, and often, you know, it's going to happen that somebody else talks to her and, she, and you're going to be like, I've been telling you that for 40 years no, or whatever. It's like with your kids, right? Hey, I learned this, you know, over. So, yeah, really? It sounds very familiar. <laughs> different, different voice. You can hear it. So, but just don't be discouraged. That's what I'm trying to encourage us, that we, that we uh, always need more people. And I think it's important for us to encourage one another to share your faith. Encourage one another to be bold about who you are in Christ, to trust in the promises of God, and, and to tell others, um, you, you know, all, what can they do? Exactly. <laughs> Say, uh, Just walk yeah. away. Well, yeah, it's like when I tell people to invite people to church. I haven't, I haven't done that for a while. I need to do that again. Uh, but what I'll say is all they can do is say no, right? That's all they can do. I mean, most, most people that you have relationship with, and even if you don't have a relationship to them, and you just walk up and say, hey, I want you to come to church, you might never see them again. So what difference does it make, right? But, but if you know somebody, they know you go to church, they've been expecting you probably to ask them to come to church anyway. Because when are you going to invite me to your church? Um, you know, you know. So don't, don't be surprised if they say no. I know that when Amy yeah. invited me, she's like, they're always telling me to bring people, so. Yeah. I gotta tell people more. I gotta, I gotta say that some more, because it's true. It's true. Uh, you know, and again, it's one of those things. If we truly believe, if we truly believe that that God loves everybody, and that that what we have and what He has done for us is so is such great news, um, th- uh, and it's convicting to me too. So I'm not pointing the finger, but why wouldn't I want to share that with other people? And yet, I find myself being distracted and just not going on with my day and, and I'll be in a conversation and they'll be done with the conversation. Man, I probably missed an opportunity there. And, uh, and then fortunately I know it's not all on me, so I don't have to stress too much about it. But anyway, but I think we could simply pray that we would be more active and that we would inspire others to share the love of Christ. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I get encouraged by people who talk about Jesus um, and that he's actually real to them. Uh, you know, Jesus is actually part of their life. Uh, people um, used to say to Laura and I uh, years ago, uh, you know, about our kids that they they would talk to adults and talk, you know, and, and how come your kids, especially our two youngest ones, are following Christ? <clears throat> and I think some of it has to do with the Lord, obviously. Um, but Jesus was just part of our home all the time. I grew up with that. God was just in every, to some degree, in every conversation. I never grew up thinking that there might be a God or that I don't know if there is God or there are multiple gods. It's just, this is God. And, you know, my brother and I knew, and I've shared this before, but my brother and I knew every time we were out on the golf course and even other times, but my dad at some point in time would say, do you realize how blessed we are and how good God is to us? Look what you're getting to do. You know, and he would say that sometimes when we were cutting wood in the forest, and I didn't really have that idea at the time. But, but this is hard work. But but the whole idea was this is, and so you know, even today, every time I go golfing, even if I'm by myself, I, there will be at one point it, 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 that I'm just going that I, that that's heavy on my heart that I will acknowledge that there's a hole number two at Highlands just kind of looks over this valley. You know, and it, it drops off at the at the other side of the green, but you just kind of look over, it and it's just a gorgeous view. And you sit there, and you go, man, how, how, this is great. This is just wonderful, that and how blessed we are. So, 
I'm going through golf withdrawals because of the winter. But anyway, so I would encourage you all to pray that God would bring more um, people and that more people would share their faith. So let's look at Matthew 10. Let's read 1 through 15. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles were these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaan, Can- hmm, Canaanian, no, how would you pronounce that? I'm going to say Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructed them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire nor, no gold, nor silver, no co- nor copper for your belts. No bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff for the laborers to serve his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace um, come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. And when you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Okay, so a lot going on here. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not going to take time to talk about all the the bad stuff that has happened throughout Christian history based on some of what Jesus says here. And also the, uh, well, we'll get there. But the first thing that we know is we don't have any authority unless Jesus gives it to us. He gives them authority for, in this case, a specific moment for a specific time and for specific tasks. We know that this doesn't stay with them. This authority doesn't stay with them because they come back to him. And they don't seem to keep doing this except when he said, go do this now. Uh, so, but it says a foreshadow of the after Pentecost, which we'll celebrate in a few weeks. Well, more than a few weeks, but a uh, few months. Uh, a foreshadow of, of him giving that authority to the church. Uh, and, and so we need to realize, but it's still not ours to hold. It's still the authority of Jesus. So Matthew 28, 18, he says this, and and you're all familiar with this verse. Um, But he says, he came to them, this is right before he's, he's ascending, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so again, establishing he is God, establishing that, 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 that he is the, the author and the ruler, the only authority. And so it's foolishness, in my mind, <laughs> for us to claim any authority. Um, especially even if we forgive somebody, if we, if we rebuke uh, e- evil spirits. It's not us doing it. It is the power of Jesus 
and his authority that we do it because we cannot take any credit for it. Um, back in Matthew 9, verse 6, um, <clears throat> we see this. Uh, Jesus, when he's hearing the healing the paralytic, you know, they're giving him a hard time because he forgave sins. And they're like, who can forgive sins but God alone? Not even the, really, and again, like we talked about, not even the Messiah was said to be able to do this. Um, and yet he does it. And he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So again, I can show you that I'm God. Rise up and walk. And so this is authority. John 10, 20, verse 23. <clears throat> God has given us authority. And he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He has given us this authority to forgive sins. But on the flip side of that, he's also given us authority not to forgive sins, which is one of those things I dare not to tread upon. (laughs) You know, to have the heart of God is to forgive. Uh, And so... Uh, but I think he's, 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 he's qualifying the authority here. He goes, if you don't forgive, they're not forgiven either. So let's forgive. I was going to say, what about uh, uh, dealing in leadership over there with an unrepentant heart or someone that's, you know, you were monk, they're monkeying around. You, you can forgive the sins over there, I, I do suppose. But I mean, if, if, they're, if you're saying there's a consequence for what you're doing, if you don't, well, yeah, there's there's a difference between, I mean, I agree with you, uh, maybe don't waste your time, uh, but at the same time, I think when we look at Jesus on the cross in the end, he says, forgive them for they know not what to do. His heart was for forgiveness. Whether they receive forgiveness or not is really not, is really not what we're in control over. The heart is, we are forgiving people. Okay. R- right? Uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, because sometimes, especially, I know... I struggle with this, especially when we had younger kids. We, you know, what would we say? Uh, you know, well, if they were sorry about something, well, I forgive you, but I'll believe you. I'll really believe you're sorry when you stop doing it. Well, Jesus doesn't say that to us. <laughs> he just says, "I forgive you." you. You know, and that's and that's something that I wish I would have done better with my kids. No, I forgive you. You know, uh, instead of going, eh, yeah. You're really not sorry. Eh, well, well in know. America, you have to earn your earn your forgiveness. I mean, most American families. I was just gonna. Say if you think that, you need it, huh? If you think you need it. Well, I was just gonna <laughs> say when you're when you're young over there, uh, uh, growing up in a, in a poverty thing over there, it, it's performance based. I don't know about your parents, but I know my our parents. Uh, if you were unrepentant, uh, you, you life could be difficult. Yeah, you need to prove that you were needed forgiveness, Matt. Oh, um, I was thinking, do you think maybe like him saying that is him giving them like an out, like not making it so that they're bound to forgive even when like if they have the discerning and the ability to tell if somebody is really asking for forgiveness or if they're being malicious so that they can, you know, they have the the ability to like discern and have the agency to not have to say, I forgive you when it's not warranted. I guess the question is, you know, because we get into some very subjective things when we start talking about circumstances, and it's almost like situational forgiveness. You've heard of situational ethics; it's kind of like situational forgiveness. Rather than saying, I look at it this way and go, "What's God's heart to forgive?" 
And so um, I think that, that there's a weight that he is sharing with us. You know, if you don't forgive people, they're not forgiven. Do I want to carry that? Or do I want to say, they're, you know, you're forgiven? Now, again, there's a challenge here, right? Uh, and the problem is we're limited and we're not the ultimate judge. What would you, th- what would you so, say to the, to the people that uh, struggle with forgiving themselves or forgiving God? I mean, you know, when you talk about forgiveness, it isn't just us forgiving others. A lot of times, uh, we, I don't know how, what the percentage is of people in mental, mental health over there, but if you went to mental institutions, the area of the things that happened, it would seem to me a large percentage would of being able to forgive themselves and see things from a perspective of, of redemption. Yeah, that's probably a completely sidetrack of a, of a conversation. Okay. I would say that's... A, I, I, and I will broad stroke it to qualify okay. that it's a broad stroke statement okay. that that's still rooted in selfishness. Oh, absolutely. Um, because, uh, you know, if you're, if you are a, a Christian or proclaimed to be a Christian, receive the forgiveness of sins from the Lord. Um, that's all that matters. Okay. Right. Um, doesn't matter whether you can forgive yourself or not. In fact, why are you even trying to? Christ has forgiven you. Uh, now, I don't want to negate that the world has really put a big trip on you. Well, you can't really, you know, you got to forgive yourself first. And it's like, well, at the core, we all know we're pretty rotten. And so some of us, some of us are like, I don't, I don't even have the ability to forgive myself. And that's why I need outward intervention from, from the Lord. Uh, so, um, I, and I could go down a lot more on the psychology yeah. of all this, but I won't, Good. but, but, um, again, it's all part of this lie of the enemy that has made things sound fairly good and given people handicaps, um, because, uh, using Christian terminology of forgiveness. So again, it's one of those things, uh, you know, there were, there were times, obviously, I guess that you wouldn't forgive people. I mean, we look at Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter five. And again, but here's the thing, they weren't repentant. And, and Peter didn't say, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to hell. What he said was, why have you determined to lie against God? Uh, and then they dropped dead. You know, now if they would have said, oh, "I'm sorry, I busted," you know, we wanted to look good. Would forgiveness have been there? Of course. Uh, so again, it's one of those things, Matt. That's kind of tough. I mean, um, so if someone sins against you, right? The question is, do I forgive them, whether or not they ask for forgiveness or not? Right, so that the heart, I think, is to always forgive. Just like Christ has forgiven the whole world, whether they want it or not, it's available to them. So he's not holding this forgiveness as a tool of, well, you know, if you, if you, if you do the right things, I'll give you forgiveness. It's like, here it is for you. If you want it, it's there. And then I think that frees us up to have that attitude. It's not easy. It sounds like <laughs> it's not the easy. Holy Spirit, it doesn't sound like it's a natural flow. It sounds like the... Holy Spirit has to do some Right, right. Now, Jesus sends the 12 out um, with this authority and cautions them not to receive payment for the work that they do. Now, <clears throat> this has been, again, a passage that has um, made some people in some denominations say pastors should not be paid. They should have to earn their own uh, because Jesus sent these out and said, don't get paid for the work that you're doing. You shouldn't be a hireling. 
Um, that's not in this case, that's a specific time go, but they were being taken care of, right? What he said, don't take anything with you. There's going to be houses that receive you that are going to give you shelter and going to give you food. That sounds like being paid. So that's, that's a different thing. But his point was, you're not going to go profit off of this. That is not what you do as a Christian. We don't go preach the gospel so that we can earn a million dollars or more and have jets and Rolexes. And all. That's not why we do it. Um, I mean, there are plenty out there that do it for that. So, uh, you know, and God's got to deal with them. I can't, you know, uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, so again, it doesn't mean that church leadership and pastors don't don't earn their keep and, and can't be paid. Uh, what it does mean, though, is that the credit for the work must be given to Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I think that that's one of these balances. So for me, one of one of uh, years ago, one of my ministry texts is Luke seventeen ten, <clears throat> and we'll start at seven. Um, And I really think that, um, you, you know, I never want to put my, my personal conviction on anybody else, but I think that this is a healthy um, way to look at my job in the kingdom and your job in the kingdom. So verse 7 of Luke 17, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table. Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And I think that that for me, this has always been one of these humbling texts to go, wait a second, I, I, and there's other versions that says unprofitable servant, uh, but who, who do I really think that I am? Uh, I'm just doing what God has asked me to do. Um, I, why? Because I'm just a servant. I am just his servant. We are all his servants. And so I think that, that for me, this has always been really good. And so again, when those disciples are sent out... They're not going so they can earn and get all the accolades. They're going again. I mean, come on. He says, raise the dead. <laughs> I mean, heal the sick. Are they really going to go, well, yeah, we just came up with this. Uh, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And you're going you're, you're gonna to receive the dead back. No, they're like, we couldn't do this before. Jesus said, I'm giving you authority. And now I'm going to do this. Uh, and what's interesting is remember that Jesus told them to only go to other Jews, but lost Jews which was interesting. Find those who, um, again, there's some reason why at this point in time we had to get, he had to get, you know, he came to the Jews first. God's plan was to reveal himself through one nation. Um, and so he came to them first and they actually had to, had to, there had to be a rejection of them for him to, to really clearly say, you know, if you know, if I don't go, then we'll go to the Gentiles. I mean, there had to be this dividing line so they could see the heart. But the reality too is, if we look at even the Exodus when they left Exodus in in Egypt, um, historians will tell you there were several Egyptians who went with them and believed that God and believed in the one and true God. Uh, we see that with Ruth. Uh, telling Naomi, who Ruth is a Moabite, to say, and she's like, go back. Basically, Ruth tells her, go back and find a husband and serve your gods. 
I mean, it's really, go, go back to idol worship. And she goes, no, I'm going with you and your God will be my God, which is the heart of God. And we know that from, from Ruth, we have David. And, you know, from David, we, we see the line all the way to Jesus. So, so again, we see this in there. By the way, Rahab's in there too. Okay. So, uh, but the shaking off the dust of the feet is interesting. And this would have been uh, something that Jewish people, um, actually, when they would leave a Gentile place, they would symbolize that they were not even to carry the dust from the Gentiles with them. They're dusting it off their feet. I mean, this was almost a, a slap in the face. And even your dust is not worthy to go with me. Uh, um, this would be a sign, though, again, of judgment against Gentiles. The Jews would have known that. And so Jesus kind of says, if, hey, if they don't receive you, this town doesn't receive you. You're shaking the dust off their feet. And it would be better for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, well, that was pretty, that's pretty violent. I mean, and, and I find that, that I wonder, you know, how quick were they to go, oh, cool, we get to drive. But this, again, was not to Gentiles. They were talking to other Jews. So it would have been a huge um, slap in the face to, to brethren. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting if you've seen, well, you've been, you know, back in your neck of the woods you grew up in, you know, Italians and Jewish families, there is just a different dynamic in those families that most of us would think that they are all mad at each other all the time and they really aren't. But you could see this, a, a brother shaking the feet off the dust of, of, of his Jewish brother and that brother just being enraged and them not talking for several years. I think it was the show I was talking about that, um, at Bible study this morning, Restaurant Impossible, where you have a, a brother <laughs> and a sister that hadn't talked for a year and a half because, and, they're, and that there's loud, just verbose Italian family. And you, Watch that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like home. Yeah. Uh, and so, but that's the dynamic we see. You know, you, you watch shows based in those areas in Brooklyn and these other, in Jersey. And there's just this dynamic that is, is I'm like, ooh, that's uncomfortable for me. Uh, and it's very stressful. But it's how they are. It's how they are. Right? And it's no wonder they're all drinking and smoking all the time. <laughs> Can we just be alone? For a no, 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 Steve. No, no. I wanted to go back on that kind of a pastor's table there. I believe Paul oh. was talking about don't muzzle the ox that's treading the floor and also yeah, I believe I forget where he says that you're worth double double the, the pay. And uh, double you. honor. I don't know if that's double pay, but I'll take double the no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I believe that it, it, it does include pay. Well but you know there is a direct attack on on that um, in churches, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, and it's only because we have believed the lie that what the pastor does is not as valuable as what we do in the world, right? I mean, uh, you know, well, his schedule is flexible. He, you know, he only really, he's really only on for one to two hours on a Sunday, um, they, they don't understand uh, that a pastor is never off. technically off. I try to be off, but Laura will tell you I, I don't ever completely shut off from ministry. When we go on vacation, I, I email and work on, on stuff for the church. Now I'm on vacation, so it's not like I'm as focused and here. But, but again, it's something, and I'm not trying to pat myself, it's something I love to do. 
Um, and But at the same time, the value of spiritual care in our society right now is very limited. Self-care is exalted, right? And that's why you see pastors and a lot of Christians have horrible self-care, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, you're, you need to have a balance of both to some degree. It would seem to me that uh, the, being fortunate enough to have excellent spiritual leadership, I mean, it, it's like a quarterback or any, any football team. You want the best available person to, to direct your ship, a captain of a ship, and, yeah. and uh, you're blessed if you have that. And we, as a body, I, I don't... Well, what's interesting is the highest paid position on the football field is not the quarterback. If it's a right-handed quarterback, it's the left tackle. That's the blind side because he's turning to to pass. And that left tackle is the highest paid person on the field typically because he's protecting what what the quarterback can't see. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things where, again, eternity is is what I care about for all of you. We're, we're working towards eternity. This is temporal. And then, again, to reference Bible study this morning, because uh, you weren't in, I don't know where you were, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but, you know, the whole idea was that, that what are some of the struggles with prayer? We don't value with it. We, don't, we just don't feel like we have enough time. It's not, you know, it's not something that, uh, that we see as, as, as taking effect the way that we want. And, and that's the lie again. When it comes to church, when it comes to spiritual care, we're so caught up with the temporal and to the moment that we, we, we go, yeah, that's, I mean, down there. I mean, I know the young people are, and I don't know if they, they think this, you know, cognitively. I'll get serious about God when, I, when I'm older, when I have time. Right now, I want to enjoy stuff because they think that God's a killjoy. Uh, and I'm like, no, he's actually, there's a lot more joy in Christ than than anything this world can have to offer. And so I, I think that, that, again, we're very temporal-minded, and the pastor's job and the spiritual leader's job in, in the church is to prepare you for eternity. Um, and, and that's a tough crossover for people to... to I'm encouraging your eternal life, uh, you, you know, uh, and I want you to know what you're here for. You know, you're not here just to suck up oxygen so so anyway the disciples would use this again but against fellow jews Uh, matthew 7 verse 6 do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you you know this is a this is a good a good word to us because sometimes um we can find ourselves wasting our time uh with with words with people uh and again it doesn't mean you don't love them it doesn't mean you don't serve them it doesn't mean that you don't uh that you'd remove yourself completely from their lives but if they've made it clear that they don't want to receive what you have to say then quit wasting your time it doesn't mean like so I, I would pick on Laura's grandfather as an example. He told me fairly early on when we started hanging out and he goes, I don't want to hear about that God stuff. Okay. We still saw him what several years after he made that statement. Didn't talk about that. But still loved him. Still, you know, we're interested in him, wanted to hear wanted to know about him. 
but it was just a waste of time because he was already what when you throw a dog uh, a stone into the pack of uh, dogs the one that yelps is the one that got hit he'd already been hit and our presence there and if we would have kept bringing it up i guarantee you what would have happened was we would have set that relationship would have been severed um and so we have to go wait a second this doesn't mean i just I'm done with the person and move on to the next. What this does mean is, you know, let's, let's, let's be wise in who we share with. And again, back to what Steve has said often, and I think we all say, the Holy Spirit's got to lead and guide us. Because, uh, you know, I won't know when that is. Because I'll get frustrated that the person's being a Yahoo and be like, well, whatever. And, <laughs> and I'll move on, right? Instead of going, okay. Uh, and, and, you know, it was the Holy Spirit that, that actually made me shut up to Lara's grandfather um, and just kind of love him where he was at the best I could because I don't know how to do that well. It's easier for me to preach to somebody than to just show them God's love. A lot easier to tell them words. And I think that's the other side of this too. Hey, you know, why don't you, uh, you, you know, don't waste God's words either because they're just going to throw them away and trample them underfoot. You know, wait, we want good soil and that's, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, and sometimes, uh, what's the, was it St. Francis of Assisi, I think, said this, that said, preach the, preach the word at all times and when necessary, use words, right? Or preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And that's one of those things where, you know, people need to see it. You know, people, once they know, when you say stuff, they're watching you. Uh, you know, when, you, when they know you're a Christian and you have a relationship with them, they're waiting for you. Uh, to do something that they're going, ha ha, I knew it. <laughs> I knew you were, yeah, you got mad. You're not a Christian. Yeah, Christians get mad. Okay, Christians say things they shouldn't say. Christians act ways they shouldn't say. And, and Christians are hypocrites. You know, whenever when people accuse, you know, oh, church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, because we believe in something, you know, so we're going to fail. Uh, it, so it's easier not to believe in something than you don't have to be hypocritical, right? That's the idea. Um, so just 16 through 25 of Matthew chapter 10 here. We'll wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. So he said, it's better for them that they would have Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, that Sodom and Gomorrah was better than them on judgment day. Ooh, look out. Behold, verse 16, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for you will, for, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brothers will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in, the, in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his chief teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So, I mean, the reality is he was telling the disciples, this is going to happen to you. Now, a lot of people have taken this and said, this is what's going to happen to all of us. Um, 
I don't, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily we are going to be persecuted for our faith. And there are times where our persecution in, in the United States is minimal. I mean, it's minimal. We're not being dragged before councils. We're not being dragged before governors. We do have people who look at us weird and say, and sometimes relationships that, that wane because you, you're standing for your faith. Um, and so we have to be careful we're not trying to pick fights all the time because so I can be like the disciples. But really the overarching theme in the section is we'll be persecuted for our faith. Some people will not like that you stand for Christ. Simple as that. They won't like it. Um, and, but Jesus will be persecuted first and more severely. What he's saying is you're not above the master. I'm going to go and suffer more than you ever will. Um, you know, Even the disciples who died for their faith and were martyred, which all of them but one, um, well, two, if you count Judas Iscariot, you know, but all of them, but, but the two were, were martyred for their faith. They tried to martyr John, didn't work. Um, so he died of old age. But, but still, they didn't bear the weight of the sin of the world, past, present, and future. In fact, when they died, they were received into glory. As we see Stephen, the first martyr, being stoned, and he looks up and he sees the heavens open up, and he sees this wonderful thing, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know what they're doing. He goes, I see the Son of Man. He, you know, that's their, that's their death. Jesus' death was the Father turned his face away. I mean, I, I can't even... So you're like, look, you're not... And Jesus is saying, you're not going to suffer more than me. And then 19 and 20, I think, is a great word, though, for us. Um, when they deliver you over, when people persecute you, don't stress out about what you're going to say. You, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have the right answer for everybody. Um, we don't always have the knowledge within us. I mean, I think it's important that we read God's word. We spend time in fellowship so that those things can be recalled by the Holy Spirit. But just quoting scripture and verse sometimes is not the right answer. Um, sometimes it's how do I explain the love of God to somebody or how do I use that verse in a way that is tangible for that person and understanding for that person. And so uh, when, when people question or they come against you, uh, it's okay too, by the way, and I'll say this often, it's okay to say, I don't know. Here's what I do know, but I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, I, I can give you the answer why bad things happen in the world. I can't. You know, on a, on a cosmic scale, I understand why bad things happen in this world, why it's happening to a specific person or a specific people group or something. I don't have the answer to that. Uh, you know, why does this five-year-old kid in California get swept away uh, by, by, by floodwaters? I don't have an answer to that. I know it's a broken world and I know why it's a broken world, but, you know, so I don't know. Uh, and so I think it's okay for us. We're not, we, we don't look like fools to say we don't know. In fact, I would rather a Christian say, I really don't know, than to try to make up something and fumble over words and give an answer that really yeah. isn't well, effective. And how much is it more of them just asking for there to be someone who can come alongside them and, and try to understand what they're going through, you know, as opposed to yeah. having an answer. And, and, and I don't know if we see that too much in the people that it's actually happening to. I think when you have a faith crisis like that, you either get bitter or you, or you get humbled, right? You either cry out to the Lord or you reject it 
uh, I don't know if you're looking for, legitimately looking for answers. It's usually people from the outside looking in and goes, how come that could happen? Um, and the, the answer is never satisfactory, right? I mean, because the answer is, well, that's because humankind blew it. And so we broke the world. Yeah. <laughs> nobody likes that answer, though. I mean, nobody likes, you mean it's my fault? Yeah, it's your fault. You know, when I look at it, so that, that five-year-old boy, to, to be really honest, who got swept away by, by the, the floodwaters, that is a result of my sin. If you think about it, every, you know, these four college students up in, up in Moscow, who, that, that's a result of, of my rebellion, because given to choice at the beginning, all of us would have take, partaken of the fruit. And so the world is broken because of that. And so what's, what's hard with that is I can't bear that. I literally, if I were to stop and think about that, it would be crushing. But that's why I go, but how wonderful a Savior that I have who has bore that weight for me and for all the world. Um, and so, but again, we don't want to admit that that, that our sin is a cause for things when it is. Mankind is sinful, if you didn't know that. What type, what type of uh, healing would it be in the mental institutions if you knew that, because that, uh, I, I, I would assume that a, a vast majority do feel guilty. They do feel like they're carrying the weight of the world. Yeah, mental health is interesting. I have a little bit of, of thoughts on mental health, so... Um, it's it's brokenness and spiritual. I mean, there it's 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 all. I think mental health is is the apex of broken world and spiritual brokenness meet together in in a great way. Um, it, a great way is a bad term, but <laughs> in a re, in a remarkable way, uh, because it's not all all spiritual, um, and, but it's not always all chemical either. There's there's a um, and. You know, spiritual is certainly something. I think it was um, R.C. Sproul. Uh, well, I think it was him. That was asked to go be a uh, a chaplain at a mental institute, um, and the reason was is because most of the people um, didn't have peace with God, and they're like, even though the mental institution wasn't a Christian one, they're like, if people could have that hope, it would help a lot. Um, and again. That's not the answer for every mental illness, but I think if we need to bring that in, it's a big part of it. Um, and then there's just the brokenness of the world. I mean, there's just brokenness. There is some that legitimately, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a broken bone or a sickness, you need to treat it. There are some things in, in the, chemically that, again, in our broken world, and you could look, is it the food that we've been eating? Is it, you know, is it the spray that's happening all the time? So... <laughs> You know what? What is it? What, what? What? What is it? Right. So. So again, it's a broken world, um, and it's spiritually broken first and foremost, which has ripple effects to everything else. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of it. So, Lord, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that, well, you were God and we're not. So. Lord, uh, thank you for each one here. Uh, give them safe travel on the way home. And uh, Lord, thanks for the, the discussion. May we uh, trust in you more. Uh, may we have faith, Lord, that would be increased. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>